Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We want to look at verses 8 through 11. And this morning I'd like to share a sermon that I've entitled Genuine Repentance. Genuine Repentance. Uh, I guess it's been over a month ago God spoke to me in regards to uh, uh, genuine repentance. And I'm afraid that oftentimes in church today, or in churches today, that uh, we don't have genuine repentance. And so we want to look at repentance this morning and talk about genuine repentance. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and I want to look at verses, start reading with verse 8. Paul is, is sharing with the Corinthian church, For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow, produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence is produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication in all things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity we've had to come and worship you in song and praise and hymns, and now, Father, for you to speak to us in your word. And Father, I pray now as we focus our thoughts on your word in regards to genuine repentance, I pray that we can make a an evaluation, self-evaluation, not evaluating others, but self-evaluating ourselves, Father, in regards to our repentance. Help us to see the importance of repentance. Help us to see, Lord, the fruits of repentance. Thank you for this time that we've had to worship and this time we've had to Hear your word, now your spirit will work in our hearts, and I pray for each person here, and I make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Someone has said that regret is the unresolved issue of the day. Regret is the unresolved issue of our day. How many of you uh, have regrets this morning? Anyone have any regrets? You just raise your hand. Anybody have any regrets? Things that you wish that you had done differently? 
Maybe things that you wish that you could go back and change, but you can't go back and change them. But God himself has made provision in his son, Jesus Christ, for our regrets. And so just keep in mind, everyone has regrets. But God has provided repentance for us to deal with our regrets. So the question is, how do you know if you have truly repented? How do you know if you truly repented or maybe you just regret? Maybe there's, you regretted something and you truly didn't repent of it. You just regretted it. So how do you know if you have truly regretted? What are the results of genuine repentance? Uh, we've all heard uh, of cheating spouses who, who promise they'll never do it again. I was thinking, flipping through the channels the other day and I came through a TV program entitled Cheaters. You probably have looked at that program from time to time. It's about spouses that cheat on each other. And we're all aware of cheating spouses. And they promise, I'll never do it again. I mean, I'll never do it again. I mean, that was the first time, be the last time, I'll never do it again. But the question is, but will they? Will they? How do you know that it's safe to trust someone after they say that I'm sorry? Someone who suffers from an addiction says, okay, I, I'm caught. I, I won't do it anymore. That was the last time. That was the last drink. That was the, that was the last shot. That was the last pill. That was, that was it. I'm, I'm through with it. I'm finished with it. Uh, that's it. Never again. I'm through with it all. How do you know they're through with it all? What about someone who says hurtful things to you, to other people, and they say, well, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, I won't say it anymore, I shouldn't have said it then, you'll never hear that from me again, I'll take it back, it, it won't happen again. Have you ever said anything that you regretted? The question is, did they really mean what they said when they repented? The question really is, did I really mean what I said when I repented? Can we really know if we've repented? What is, how does genuine repentance look in our lives? Luke chapter 3. Verse 8 says this, the A part of that verse says, Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Now look at that. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. The point is, there's fruits of repentance. An apple tree bears apples, and as apples are the apple trees, there's fruit that comes from our repentance. There should be some fruit hanging from my life if I have truly rooted myself in repentance. There should be some fruit from your life if you have truly rooted yourself in repentance. So the point is, there's fruit in repentance. Jesus said it this way, By their fruit you shall know them, in Luke 3, 8. 
Look, if you will, at uh, Acts chapter 26, verse 20. Acts 26, verse 20. I'll read it from the screen. But he declared first to those in Damascus and to Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. Do works befitting repentance. Do works, show fruit befitting repentance. This fruit of repentance is actually a deed. It's, it's works. It's action. In other words, when repentance is in the heart, there's some things that a person is engaged in, things that we're doing. Therefore, you say that you've repented, and if you have repented, there's some things that you should be doing. There's some works of repentance. There are fruits of repentance. If you say, well... You know, I'm sorry, then you need to be doing some things. Spouses, parents, children. The point is, if I'm really sorry, you don't have to worry about it anymore. It's not going to come back up, it's not going to happen again. Why is that? Because I've repented. So remember, fruits of repentance are actions or deeds that accompany repentance. I'm talking about genuine heart-changed repentance. If you have genuinely repented and had this heart change about you, then there should be some action that accompanies that repentance to show forth fruit of repentance. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, look at verse 10. For godly sorrow, now some translations have godly grief. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation not to be regretted. So how do you know, how do I know that I've experienced genuine repentance? First of all, godly sorrow is evident. Let's talk about godly sorrow. There is godly sorrow. Verse, verse, uh, verse 10, for godly sorrow produces repentance. There's godly sorrow. Paul's writing a letter to the church at Corinth. It's a church who's somewhat fleshly and they're living, and Paul's writing this letter, and he's pretty bold in writing the letter. Look at verse 8, chapter 7, verse 8. He says this, For even I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Paul said, listen, it wasn't that I wanted to make you sorry. I didn't want to make you cry. And I don't want to make anybody cry at church or cry in here this morning. That's not my intent. That wasn't Paul's intent. He says, I don't want to see you cry. Verse 9, look at it. Now I rejoice that you were made sorry, that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss for, from us for nothing. So this grief, this sorrow is like an on-ramp to repentance. You have this godly sorrow, and then it shoots you toward repentance. Godly sorrow is the beginning of repentance. 
The Greek word for repentance is used 26 times in the New Testament. Half of those times are used in 2 Corinthians. And half of those times in 2 Corinthians are used in this text. And so we have this most concentrated teaching in all of Scripture about how a person feels if they truly repent. I think I repented. Uh, I believe I've repented. How do I feel if I repented? First of all, there's this godly sorrow. There's this godly grief. Put it another way. There's this soul pain. There's this internal hurting deep inside. If you've genuinely repented, you're not repenting because you're crying. You're not repenting because you don't cry. There's something that's happening on the inside that's really hurting. Really hurting. Soul pain. It's what the disciples felt when Jesus announced his crucifixion in Matthew 17, 23. The scripture says they were exceedingly sorrowful. Soul pain internal hurting, soul pain. The same type of pain this rich young ruler felt when the Lord, when he loved his possessions more than he loved the Lord in Matthew 19, 22, when the Bible says that he went away sorrowful, sorrowful, soul pain, internal pain, hurting. So when, we, when we're choosing to sin, and we're kind of overconfident when we sin, we're kind of determined to sin, we're kind of willfully sinning, but all of that goes away when we repent. In other words, I'm not willfully sinning anymore. I'm not confident in my sin. I'm not determined to sin. I'm frightened, really, to sin all of that other went away when I truly, genuinely repented. That's soul pain. That's internal pain. Soul pain cries and it says, Man, what was I thinking when I did that? I mean, how could I have convinced myself that all of that was going to work out good for me or good for me and my family. What in the world was I thinking? Soul pain is the first thing that happens when you begin to repent. So sorrow, grief is where repentance starts, that soul pain, that internal pain. So this morning, check yourself. Is it, I'm sorry I got caught. I should have been more careful. I'm sorry I made the mess in our family. I'm sorry I made a mess of my life in your life. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's not repentance. So how do I know if I've truly repented? First of all, do I have this godly sorrow, this general sorrow, this soul pain, this internal pain? in my life, that I don't take pleasure in those things that I did before. How do I know if I've truly repented? Number two, 
there will be a disdain for rationalization. Now, there's some other synonyms for disdain. I could have used d- despise or scorn or disgust. There will be disgust for rationalization. You rationalize your sin. If you've truly repented, there will be disgust. There will be disdain. There will be scorn for rationalization. Because if you see there in verse 10, godly grief leads to salvation. That's eternal life salvation. Godly grief leads to salvation, notice, without regret. You see that? In verse, uh, verse 10, God, godly sorrow, godly grief produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. We don't have any regret when we godly repent. That godly sorrow leads us to repentance. See, every one of us came here today with regrets, whether we want to admit that or not. We all have regrets, but that's not repentance. But now you say, well, I see, I, I really understand that's the, the moment of clarity is the repentance and the first fruits of res- restoration that, that leaves all that regret behind. It's behind. Look at 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation not to be regretted, without regret, meaning that we're not carrying our regret forward with us. We're leaving our regret, not to be regretted. Whereas worldly grief, not godly sorrow, but worldly sorrow, does what? Produces what? Death. You see that at the end of the verse? But the sorrow of the world produces death. So just make a little note. A lifetime of worldly sorrow, worldly repentance, Repentance that doesn't change me, doesn't change my heart, leads to hell. That's what it leads to. So please understand verse 10. A lifetime of shallow, worldly repentance leads to hell. If you don't have godly repentance, godly sorrow, godly grief, that inner pain because of God's conviction in your life, over your life, and you just have worldly repentance, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that's, gonna, that's not going to lead to heaven. That's going to lead to hell. You say, well, Brother Samuel, why can't I get any traction spiritually? I mean, Brother Samuel, why can't I seem to go forward like other people go forward in their spiritual life? Brother Samuel, why don't I feel like my faith is growing? I'll tell you why, you're unsaved. If you haven't experienced genuine repentance, you've never trusted Christ. The point is, you've never really repented. You have to turn from your sin, embrace Jesus Christ by faith. And a lot of people today try to embrace Jesus Christ by faith and never turn from anything. It's the same old life, over and over and over. So repentance to salvation is turning from your sin and embracing by faith this person by the name of Jesus Christ. So the point is, if you haven't, and that goes on unchanged, that'll produce death. Hebrews 9.27, 
It's appointed unto man once to die. So the death mentioned uh, here in verse 10, he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. Why would he warn us about physical death when we all know everybody's going to die? But he's talking about spiritual death. So if you haven't, spiritually, with godly sorrow, repented, nothing's changed, that produces death. And so we're all going to die physically, but without genuine repentance, true, godly grief, soul pain, internal pain, repentance, a person's going to die spiritually. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. So make a note. As long as I persist, as long as I persist with my reasons and my excuses, I'm going to remain, I'm going to be trapped, I'm going to remain trapped, and I'm going to be in a downward spiral as long as I refuse to have godly sorrow over my sin. So here's the point. Regret is to be resolved and not lived with. So a believer doesn't just wallow in regret. You can visit, we can go to the place of regret, but we're not to live in regret. We're not to stay there. Because there's no joy in regret. There's no happiness. There's no freedom. There's no liberty. Christ is not in regret. You know, we're supposed to resolve our regrets and we're supposed to leave them behind and move forward by the grace of God as we live our lives. Someone would say, well, if I could go back and do it over again, I'd raise my children differently. Or, or maybe if I could go back my first marriage... You know, I could do that differently. It's regret, 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 regret. But God's provided a way that we can experience his grace and forgiveness and move on through Jesus Christ and leave our regrets behind. And I hope you're doing that and have done that. Because regret is a liar. It traps us in our past. It doesn't give us any type of hope for the future if we're constantly living in regret. You know... I know that I've repented. How do you know that? Because I've experienced godly sorrow, that soul pain, that inward hurt in my life. I know that I've repented and turned from my sin and I've embraced Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. And since then, things have been different. I have a disdain for rationalization. Remember, rationalization binds us our regrets and when when we become aware of a fault when we become aware of a failure when we become aware of iniquity in our lives sin in our life uh, whatever we try to cover all that up and I've listed some things and they're on the screen that uh, we try first of all we try to deny it that's uh, that's a cover up I mean, uh, we claim there's nothing wrong. Everything's all right. You know, everything's going good. Yeah, things are going real good. Everything's good at the house. Yeah, things are good at the house. Things are good at your wife, your kids. Everything's good. So we try to deny it. But if we, if we truly have repented, we won't deny it. We don't try to deny it. We face it. We can't deny it. Second cover-up, we try to run from it. Some 
some are rationalize their sin by running from their sin. I mean, they'll, they'll, run, um, they'll run from their job, or maybe they'll run from their school, or they'll run from their church, or they'll run from one state uh, somewhere else and just to get away from it all. And uh, that's, a, that's a cover-up when we want to rationalize and don't want to face what we're facing. And then some rationalize their sin by blaming others. We say, well, you know, there's, there's a problem, but it's not me. Everybody's out of step but me. I'm the only one in step. And so we try to blame others. We want to blame other people, our parents, our bosses, our teachers at school, the coach, the preacher, and it just goes on and on and on. But when you truly repent, you, you don't try to cover it up with blame. You don't try to run from it. You don't try to deny the issue. So what a waste of time. And then finally, hopefully one day we'll say, hey, listen, it's my fault. It's all me, and I take the blame. I'm responsible, God. It's no one else but me. So the point is, one of the fruits of repentance is to be done with my rationalizations that trout me in regret. So true repentance. I'm not tied to my regret anymore because of my rationalizations. I can lay those things down, and I'm free to take the responsibility. So how do I know that I've truly repented? First of all, there's godly sorrow. Secondly, there's disdain for uh, rationalization uh, from those things that uh, I try to rationalize and deny and run from and blame others for. I come face to face with them. You know, I heard uh, uh, a song recently and I didn't get the title of the song it's time to change and I didn't get the, the person that was singing but one verse said this it's time to make a change to turn my life around to press on toward the blood-stained cross where purity is found how can it be with all my sin a king would lead me home my goodness you know, we need to examine ourselves today and see if we have truly, genuinely repented or if we've just um, rationalized and um, just tried to pretend everything is okay. So this morning, uh, maybe substituted regret for godly repentance that leads to salvation. Just asking the question. If you have today, would you be willing to come clean with God and, and start bearing fruit of repentance, the fruits of repentance as your life changed? Have you experienced godly sorrow that led you to salvation? Or are you trapped in, in your regret and experiencing worldly grief and you haven't experienced that godly sorrow? But you can do that today if you're willing to step forward and confess that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself, and so you're turning from your sin and you're turning to the person, Jesus Christ, who can make a difference in your life and wants to save you. Let's have a prayer together. Heavenly Father, I come to you and I thank you for 
just the opportunity to think for a few days, Lord, on um, genuine repentance and for, to share this in a message this morning. And so, Father, I pray that we have an opportunity just to examine ourselves and see if we are bearing fruits of repentance. And so, Father, I pray now at this time as we have an invitation hymn, uh, if people are just bogged down in regret and have never repented, that they'll step forward. And, Lord, I ask you to forgive them of their sins. Come forward to trust you as Lord and Savior of their life. Put in their regrets in the past and live in a life committed and dedicated to you in the future. And Father, I pray that we'll begin, each of us would begin to show more the fruits of repentance. Help me, I pray, Lord, as I go out through the day to bear the fruits of repentance. Help me, Lord, not to focus on those things of the past that bogged me down, but I can I laid those aside the day I was saved, and I'm moving forward without those. And I pray people will be willing to do that today that hasn't done that. And Father, I pray now that you'll speak to hearts about being saved. I pray other decisions that need to be made today that people will step forward. And Lord, um, be obedient to the Spirit in what you would have them to do. Father, it's in rededication, or Father, if it's time to come and unite with this church, if this is where you want them to be and get plugged in, serve you, I pray, Lord, this will be the day that they'll be obedient, step forward in that decision. But whatever decisions are to be made today, I pray they'll be made by your Holy Spirit's leading in a person's life. Thank you for what you're going to do in this time of invitation, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.